Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and we are so honored to have you with us today. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. We are all about the whole person here, and we bring you experts that will not only inspire you, but will give you tangible strategies that you can implement right now. And today's expert is Mort Fertel. Now, Mort is a leading authority on the psychology of relationships with a global reputation for saving marriages. He developed a beautiful system called Marriage Fitness, and it's a relationship renewal system, and he has saved literally millions of couples in marital crisis, born out of his own marital crisis and the lack of resources that were available to him. He decided to dig in deep and develop his own beautiful system for supporting loving relationships. Rise up for you. Enjoy this episode as we welcome Mort Fertel. Well, welcome Mort to the Rise Up For You podcast. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we always love to start by having our guests share with our audience who you are, what you do, and the journey that brought you here today. Sure. Well, my name is Mort Fertel, and I uh, am the creator of Marriage Fitness, which is an alternative to marriage counseling. And so essentially, I work with people who are are in marital crisis, helping them with a path from crisis back to healing and reconciliation. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Well, how did uh, tell us a little bit about your journey with that, and how you know what brought you to to do what you do today? Sure. So, in short, it really it came from a very personal place. Um, my wife and I we uh, lost three children over the period of about two years. It was a very difficult time, and it really threw our marriage into crisis. And we were horrified at the quality of the help that was available when we reached out for help mm-hmm. and the type of guidance we were, re- we were receiving regardless of who we reached out to help for. And um, we were fortunate enough to be able to find a way from our crisis to healing and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, we realized what we did, uh, what that path was, And we felt that we had a responsibility to sort of codify it or explain it uh, and offer it as a way for other people to heal their marital crisis as well. And that was really the origin or the birth of marriage fitness. Um, About 15, 16 years ago, I wrote the book. And then that book really gave birth to the whole online program that I have now, which is the Marriage Fitness Teleboot and the most popular, you know, marriage fitness program. Wonderful. Wow. Wow. That is an amazing story. And again, sorry for your loss. Um, I I can't even imagine, but that is, is like, and, um, you know, coming from that kind of trauma to now, yeah, now you have to come together as a married couple, right? I mean, I can see where that would be just uh, so challenging and why so many marriages do break up after a traumatic experience. So yeah, I mean, this type of traumatic experience is unusual. Most people's story about how they disconnected and lost each other is different. 
but it doesn't really matter so much how you got there, whether it was through neglect or infidelity or just leading parallel lives or not appreciating each other or not spending time together. There's a whole series of reasons why people disconnect. It really doesn't matter how you get there. Once you're disconnected, the question is, how do you connect again? And the path from disconnection to connection is pretty much the same regardless of, you know, the type of situation that you're in. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about that and and how you um, specifically help people with that. Because I know there's a lot of people listening right now that may be in that situation, maybe on the fence, maybe thinking, you know, being taken advantage of or uh, neglected or, you know, the things that you mentioned, and they might be really struggling with a decision, you know, and um, so how, how do you, again, I know this is a big conversation, but, but kind of start with, with a couple or with someone in that, in that place. So the first most important principle or idea is to realize that marriages don't change for the positive because we fix what's wrong. It's because we make new things right. And this is where, remember I referred earlier, I said that we were horrified at sort of the quality of the help that was available to us because no matter where we turned, who we spoke to, books we read, whatever, everybody was asking us to focus on our problems. Okay, what's what's wrong was the starter question. Mm. And then we ended up taking the argument from our kitchen table to the office of this person. The whole experience was so negative. It was such a, it was like, uh, it was just so, you know, we were mired in the negativity of our situation. Right. And we walked out of there feeling worse rather than better. Mm. And it really wasn't helpful. Um, And what we came to realize was that all of these things we were complaining about and arguing about anyway weren't really the problems. They were symptoms of the core problem, the core problem being a lack of connection between my wife and I. Mm. And that's what I mean when I say that the key to turning a marriage around is not fixing what's wrong because what you think is wrong is really not what's wrong, (laughs) but it's making new things right. Right. It's about forming new marital habits that help you reconnect. Hmm. And so that was, so what I'm trying to, I mean, this is a a big story and a big picture, but I'm just trying to like sort of bullet point for you, like the key concept Mm -hmm sets really a new direction for a healing and reconciliation as opposed to this path which people go down for months even years you know i mean i remember uh many times i've been in 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 session or a q a teleconference with somebody that's in the program and uh, they'll tell me you know i've been in marriage counseling for a month six months a year okay so so tell me like what have you actually changed behavioral changes since being in counseling and very often the answer is well nothing really but i understand our problems much better so i call that analysis paralysis (laughs) right right like marriages don't change because we understand things better marriages change because we change you know the crisis we have in our marriage is not an accident it's not a mystery it's not a coincidence we got here because we behaved in certain ways it led to this disconnection. And the question is, what are the behaviors 
that I have to refrain from doing that destroyed my connection? Mm. And what are the new behaviors I need to employ that have a chance of creating that new connection? And if you're not answering those two questions, you're wasting your time. Mm. I love that because you're right. Therapy is, yeah, bring up all the problems and yes, there needs to be an awareness, but then what now? Like, exactly. Where do we go from here? What right. do I do with that? Right. What's the news I can use? You know, right. when you got married, you said, I do. That's because it's what you do that determines the quality of your marriage. Marriages mm. change because people change. And we have to stop talking and thinking and hypothesizing and all of that. Okay, I shouldn't say stop. That's an exaggeration. Right, right. If, if all of that leads to new behaviors, then great. It was a means to an appropriate end. But too often it becomes a substitute for the one thing that really matters, which is the new man or the new woman that I become in my marriage. Mm, right, right. Oh, that's that's fantastic. And I love the new things right concept that you talked about because it is, it's it, instead of dwelling on the past and the problems, it's like, okay, what new behaviors, what new, because oftentimes with behaviors, I think that in, in, in anything it's, it's, um, I mean, they can be habits, they can be, you know, but it's, it's misunderstandings, right? I mean, you may misunderstand what someone's doing or saying just because you haven't had that communication and had the, um, the awareness with each other. Like, Hey, you know, when you say this, it kind of makes me feel like this. And, you know, just having those real vulnerable conversations. Yeah. Those are important too. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, to be able to say like, this is what's happening and, and, uh, you know, how do we, how do we go beyond that instead of just the shutting down, the numbing out, the yeah. infidelity? But the other thing, what you're saying is true. However, we have to be careful how we say what we want to say and that's on our mind. Right. Because more often than not, when we're feeling hurt or, or neglected or something negative like you're describing, uh, we can't just rip it out. Right. You know, we can't just... <laughs> like let it out in any way, shape, or form that we want and think that we have license to say what we want, when we want, you know, like as sometimes people will say, like, if I can't just speak what's on my mind, then there must be some, something wrong with my relationship. I think that's foolish. That's not true. Right. Um, people who just say what's on their mind an unfiltered way end up very often criticizing, condemning, and complaining, and that destroys relationships. Yeah. So, it, it, it's true. We have to be able to communicate and, and express ourselves, mm -hmm. but we have to be able to do that in a way that is effective, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, uh, that a person can hear. And if I'm criticizing, condemning, and complaining, I may put that under the category of communicating, um, but my spouse won't. Right. Right. <laughs> and I guarantee you that a third party, an objective, unbiased, neutral third party would not consider that communicating. They would consider it condemning, complaining, or criticizing. Sure. So until and unless you learn to express what's on your mind in a way that's truly effective, that, that can be heard by your spouse rather than the walls going up and then getting defensive, Absolutely. then you're being ineffective and you can't claim to be communicating. It's not communicating, it's attacking. And that's not useful. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like not a talking with, it's a talking at, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> and that we know doesn't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> exactly. And being able to communicate to a person in a way 
that they can hear, yeah. they can be open to, and it doesn't shut them down. That's a skill. Yeah. Like that's a skill that has to be learned. And most people haven't learned it. And therefore they're hurting their relationships because they haven't learned it. Right. So that's part of what we do in the marriage fitness program is, you know, amongst many other skills, like we're teaching that skill. Nice. You know, which, which leads me to an important point, which is for people to understand, like everybody understands that, you know, to, um, to stroke a forehand is a skill, you know, to argue a case in front of a lawyer, uh, in front of a judge, that's a skill, mm-hmm. right? To perform brain surgery, like that's a skill. Mm-hmm. Basically to do anything well in our life, we understand it's a skill and I have to learn to do it. For some <laughs> mysterious, unbelievable reason, people think it's even an expression, love is a mystery. You have to be lucky in love. Mm. The chemistry is either there or it isn't. These are all Hollywood lies. <laughs> right. Foolish people believe it. It's not true. To succeed in marriage is the same as succeeding in anything else. It's to understand that there is a skill here. There is wisdom behind the skill. I have to learn how to do it and then be disciplined to disciplined enough to employ these skills. And unfortunately, to argue a case in front of a judge or to perform a surgery on a patient or to you know be able to cook a delicious meal, these are all skills we can learn in different classes. But where is marriage taught? Right. It's not. It's not. So people go into the most important thing in their life, uneducated, unprepared. It's tragic, you know? We have to learn things and take a test and pass it in order to get a driver's license. We have to go to school and take a test and pass in order to get a license to practice law. For some preposterous reason, (laughs) all we have to do, we don't even have to sign our name to get a marriage license, you know? Which is ridiculous because there are lives at stake. It's not only my life and my wife's life, it's our kids. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a serious thing. And uh, the way the system is set up is, is uh, doesn't make sense. But the important point here is that it is a learned skill. And, uh, you know, if you're succeeding at it, then it's because you've mastered it. If you're not, it's not bad luck. It's not the other person. Right. It's not a mystery. You don't have to just simply try again with somebody else. It's a skill you need to learn. By the way, everybody knows the divorce rate in first marriage is at 50%, right? But most people don't know. You know what it is in second marriages? 70%. Third marriages, 80%. Oh, boy. (laughs) Now, logically, that doesn't make sense, right? It should be. The the percentage should be going down, right? These are people that learn from their experience. They would never make that mistake again, right? right? Wrong right? The, the percentage is going up because you have a higher concentration of people that don't understand how to make this work. Right. And they're just repeating the same mistakes over and over. And at the end of their life, they have a whole series of relationship roadkill and wondering why does this keep happening to me until I finally help them realize the ones I get the opportunity to speak to that the one thing that all of these relationships that failed have in common is you. Is you. <laughs> exactly. You're the common denominator. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not doing the work, not doing the, you know, let's talk about one that word skill, because I can sense that might 
makes some people feel, again, you know, we're, we're in this, you know, the Hollywood, oh, we love each other and life is going to be grand and, you know, that type of thing. But where skill sounds so analytical, you know. So, so tell me a little bit when you say skill, is it behavioral changes? Is it knowing yourself better, knowing your triggers and your patterns, subconscious stuff? Or tell me, tell me what that means when you say skill. Sure. It's all of the above. And you're asking a big question. I'll, I'll try to, you know, given our, given our time schedule, right. I'll try to give a, you know, concise, simple answer. But maybe the best way to answer it is to offer an example. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most important qualities in any successful relationship is the quality of gratitude. If people don't feel appreciated and recognized in a relationship, then they'll be unhappy. And in every failed marriage, somebody, if not most people, are feeling unappreciated. Now, why is that? Why is gratitude appreciation so difficult in marriage? So briefly, it's difficult because marriage is repetitive. In other words, it's the same person and the same thing every single day for years. And, and there's an inverse relationship between frequency and appreciation. The more frequent something occurs, the less likely you are to appreciate it. Example, the beat of your heart. When was the last time you were like, oh, thank God, amazing. <laughs> amazing, right, right. Because the frequency of it numbs you to the gratitude you would otherwise have. Mm. Another example, and the opposite extreme is, you know, I live in Baltimore. It snows a few times a year. When it snows in Baltimore, the kids go nuts. School is off. Everybody's <laughs> out playing, enjoying it. Right. The gratitude is off the charts. Right. Why? Because it's a few times a year. If we lived in Minneapolis, it would be just another day. Right. Marriage is inherently frequent. Mm. And the frequency of our exposure to our spouse numbs us to the things that we appreciated when we fell in love. So that was a little background. What's the skill? The skill is learning to get your spouse doing things right every day, rather than catching them doing things wrong. It's not to say that they don't also do things wrong, <laughs> but to catch them doing things right on a daily basis, overcome the numbness that the frequency is that makes me vulnerable, the frequency makes me vulnerable to, and to make a big deal out of those things that I notice. That it does not come naturally. It will never come naturally. Uh, and when we develop the skill or the discipline to do that on a regular basis, that's the day we upgrade our marriage. Mm. Just imagine, by the way. I mean, that was, what, three minutes? Right, right. And, <laughs> and it's, it's one small, simple strategy or skill in the context of a whole big system that I've developed. But just imagine for a moment, if every husband and wife in America or in the world employed that practice on a daily basis, that alone, in my opinion, would change marriages worldwide because so many people are feeling unappreciated and taken for granted. Absolutely. That seems to be such a foundation. And 
And I know in parenting books too, it's the same thing. Catch your kid doing something right instead of always the, what they're doing wrong or, you know, what you want them to do better or yeah, it's, it's goes along with all different kinds of relationships. Right. Cause I, I don't remember what book it was or where I heard it, but I heard that men, I guess, and women for that matter of fact, don't cheat to go to someone better looking. It's typically infidelity happens from not feeling appreciated. Right. hundred percent. And just a, a little bit broader infidelity happens. Infidelity has nothing to do with sex. Right. Uh, it, it has to do with feeling connected. Mm. People stray. There's no excuse for it, by the way. It's wrong, no matter what. Mm. But we can't deny the fact that it's happening in the context of a failed marriage. Right? What People that are happily married and feel connected to their husband or wife don't cheat. Right. Right? So what's wrong with marriage? So you mentioned a, a, sort of a, a detail specific, and I think you're right. Generally, people feel unappreciated. But just zooming out a little bit from that, it's a lack of connection mm. to the other person. And that's what people are feeling in an affair is that is that sense of connection again and which is incredibly seductive i mean look at the core of life that's what we want right. that's what we need We're hardwired for it right? 100% yeah. at the psychological root of a human being is the desire for a connection to another human being mm. Go on about that one statement for hours, oh, it's but beautiful. That, you know that is true, uh, and that's you know that's the definition of a successful marriage, uh, and that is why people have affairs because they're lacking that and they're seduced by that somewhere else. Right. It doesn't give them license to, to sure, to but uh, again, but, you can't deny that it's happening in the context of some uh, sick environment. Right, right, and this whole like. Um, feeling of disconnection, you know, with all the connectivity we have, right, with technology and all this stuff, but people are feeling more disconnected um, yeah. and distracted, I think, distracted from the simple things, right, from the simple compliments, the simple things, because of all the uh, other things coming at us. So how do we navigate all that? <laughs> you know? and I, I hate the fact that we use the word connected to describe the experience we're having with all these devices. Right, right. Because it's ironic. I, I know, not only do I hate it, but it's, I find it ironic because it's the exact opposite. Yeah, right? totally. It's that more than ever, we feel really alone and disconnected. And that's evident with the level of anxiety, depression, suicide. Um, you know, all of this, this stuff is, is skyrocketing off the charts and it's because people feel disconnected. The, connect, the quote connection they have through all these devices and social medias and stuff, it, it's, a, it's, it's connected to many people in a very shallow way. Right. But it's becoming a substitute for any deep, meaningful connection to a smaller number of people. And really, <laughs> the fulfillment and real satisfaction in life comes from the deep connection from a smaller number of people as opposed to a wide connection uh, or a shallow connection from a larger number of people. But you have to be really disciplined in one's life in today's culture to um, to do something about that because the, the, the current of our culture uh, is seducing us into these shallow connections or a, with a wide spectrum of people as opposed to a deep, meaningful connection. 
meaningful with connection spouse. with the people right next to you, <laughs> right? Like your spouse. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Is that part of, I mean, I know it sounds simple and, you know, antidote of, hey, put your phone down and have a dinner together. Like, you know, but is that some of the simple rudimentary, rudimentary stuff that you um, tell, do in your program and tell people? I mean, just start with the simple things first and then go deeper and deeper. There's a lot of different things. Some are simple and some are not so simple. That is certainly one of the simple ones. There's no question about it. Right. You know, turn the devices off, put them away, focus attention on your spouse. Help make them feel priority, that they're number one, yeah. that they have your attention. I mean, isn't that what a relationship is? A relationship is not creating a personal brand on your Facebook account and posting <laughs> something that makes you look like somebody you're really not. <laughs> right. And, and then that's not a relationship with all your fans or followers or whatever. Um, you know, and by the way, I, 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 um, I don't want to come across God forbid as a hypocrite. So people might say, well, Mort, you know, you've got 35,000 followers on your Facebook account and Twitter and Instagram and this and that. Right. Let me tell you, uh, I'll be totally transparent about this. I, I have no clue about social media. My staff handles all of those accounts. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, it's all, it's all part of my work. You know, I use it to spread my message, but that's different than my personal, my personal relationships. In my personal relationships, I do not have social media accounts. I do not use social media. If you know, my staff would have to even help me log into my Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I think that there's no, again, it's easy to say, oh, just don't do this, don't do that. It's part of our life. It's part of our culture. But I think there's a time and a place. And I think it's it's just being, um, just the awareness of being smart about it, you know, with the common sense stuff, right? It's not like never do this or never do that. But it's, it's, it's the balance. It's what works for you and, and setting up the boundaries within your own relationship around it. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, like everything, it's all about those agreements that you want to foster together and be and do it together. Not like I agree and but you don't agree, but I don't care about you. You know, it's 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 the togetherness, the connectivity, and yeah, but yes, yes and no. Let me just challenge you a little bit on that, just for the you know for the benefit of your audience. Also, you and I can have a little fun bantering this sure. around. So, <laughs> On, on the one hand, what you said is true. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it's true. There's an element of truth to it. On the other hand, I think it's important for people to realize that two people could agree to something that's destructive. Okay, got that, right. Just because we're in agreement with it doesn't mean it'll be good for us. So my okay. wife and I could agree. Let's just take the example we were just on. Mm -hmm. My wife and I could agree to some social media policy. Sure. It could be destroying our relationship. Right. Mutual consent doesn't mean it's it's uh, social, you know, let's say you and I, uh, Leanne, created a, a new campaign, Down With Gravity. We don't believe in gravity. <laughs> doesn't exist right, you know right. we can walk from the 17th floor of a skyscraper in manhattan <laughs> to the 17th floor to another skyscraper in manhattan on the other side of the street and we don't need to use the elevator we're just going to use the window <laughs> we believe very strongly in this right 
And by the way, we're brilliant marketers. So we're going to make posters and we're going to make a website. And we succeed so much that we get millions of followers, fans. <laughs> right. And, and, and as, our, as, a, as an act of testimony to this new truth that we have identified, we're going to march to the Grand Canyon. And on the count of three, we're all going to jump. <laughs> What's going to happen? Gravity we're will all, win. <laughs> we're, we're all going to die. Right. right. Social, social contract does not determine the truth. Right. In some cases, it doesn't really matter what we think or who agrees with us. If it's, if it's disconnected from, misaligned with correct principles, mm. then we will suffer. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, it's, so I guess what I'm saying is, on the one hand, it's very important I talk about it extensively in my program, this idea of mutual consent, which you brought up. It's mm -hmm. very important. You're 100% right. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's important to make sure that you have mutual consent around correct principles. I'll give you another, you know, the example Absolutely. I just gave you, of course, mm -hmm. was completely hypothetical. I'll give you an interesting one, which is a real one. Not many marriages, but it is real. You know, sometimes people want to convince their spouse and succeed to convince their spouse to have an open marriage. Yep. I My wife and I agree to it. Well, good for you. You can agree to it all you want. I guarantee you this will destroy your relationship. Yeah. It may not this month. It may take some time. Right. But it'll happen. Right. I know people that have tried it. Yep. Yep. Right. And it's... I know. Yep. I've met many people great. who tried <laughs> They meant well, they had mutual consent, they were in agreement. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Have you ever no. seen it work? No. You've never seen it work? Long term. I mean, people can stay married cannot, for a while. It cannot work long term. Mm -hmm. It's because it it's like gravity. Mm. It violates an important principle in relationships. I'll share with you what the principle is. The principle is this. There is a correlation between intimacy and exclusivity. Okay. The more exclusive something is, the more intimate it is. The less exclusive it is, mm. the less intimate it is. Right? Intimacy, you might just think it, it might say is another word for connection, mm -hmm. right? Again, we were talking about connection being the core psychological need for every human being. So you know, the deepest connection comes from the most exclusive experiences. Mm. If we're nine years old and we go into the forest every day after school and build this treehouse and bring games and jacks there and we play and it's just you and I, that becomes a very special experience for us in our childhood, a special memory. And we become really deeply bonded friends because we're having that experience. Mm -hmm. If I go to school one day and I bring the rest of the class to this treehouse that you and I have shared, you're going to feel somewhat diluted. You're going to feel somewhat betrayed. I might succeed to share that experience, or I should say a fraction of that experience with the whole class now, but it won't be the same intensity of experience that I had shared it with you. When I reserve it just for you, it's special. When I start to share it with the rest of the world, it becomes less special, less exclusive, and less intimate. So, so I'm, I'm not making this up that 
you know, open marriage just doesn't work, it violates a very real principle of relationships that is that there is a direct correlation between exclusivity and intimacy. Mm, that makes so much sense. I've never heard it explained like that. It, yeah, that makes a ton of sense because I've experienced it with, you know, friendships or, um, again, I think intimacy is just, um, I don't want to say on the decline, but it just seems like, you know, the the addiction to busyness and, and you know, where the intimacy is, people don't want to get to know you that deep anymore. It's all surface, you know, again, a generalization, but it's, it's interesting how it's this, I think there's, can be this ingrained fear of intimacy for, because of maybe the vulnerability side or, um, do you sense that sometimes when you're working with the people that they're afraid to, and intimacy, I don't mean just sex, but I mean just the intimacy of, of opening up and, and really sharing who they really are? Sometimes. Mm. And, and sometimes it's a result of character flaws they have or a history they have. Mm. But sometimes, and very often, it's a result or partially a result of the way they're being treated by their spouse. Mm. Their spouse doesn't treat them in a way such that they feel safe yeah. being open and vulnerable. Sure. So uh, there can be multiple causes for that. Sure. It's easy to shut down if you get shut down. <laughs> Right. It's easy to retreat and be like, okay, I'm not gonna share that anymore. You know, I got, that was not the response I wanted. Right. So yeah, it's pretty complicated. <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> the human psyche, the human relationships. And yeah, that's, well, you know, the work that you're doing is absolutely essential and beautiful. And, and I thank you for that because it's, it's, it's so, so needed. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we can talk about this uh, forever. So many good um, good nuggets there. And I love new things right. I think that's really powerful when you said that, you know, so dwelling on the past and how do we fix all this? It's like, no, let's make the new things right and and move forward from that. So um, that's, that's fantastic. Any last, you know, kind of comments or thoughts on what you want to share? Uh, Feel free to prompt me with a question. Yeah, you shared so much. I know. I mean, it's really great. I mean, it's really I'm, great. I'm a little bit like a jukebox, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Put the coin push in. Push the buttons and then you ask a certain yeah. question. And, like, I, know. I know you're full of a lot of wisdom. I know you are. Well, let's, let me ask you um, the questions we always love to ask our guests. Does this also sure. prompt some, yeah. some good dialogue? Um, what would be one book that made just a massive impact on you or a book you want to recommend to our audience? So this is an old one, and I apologize for that, and it's widely read, so it may not be new. But uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm. you know, is worth reading at least a couple of times a year. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he, he was a very deep, insightful man. Yeah, he was. Uh, who succeeded to really capture... Uh, many profound principles of life in life, yeah. uh, profound principles of life in simple explanations and metaphors. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that, that book has had a tremendous impact, you know, on my personal and professional development. And I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, me too. I love that book as well. Love it. Um, okay. How about one quote that you live by? Well, I'll tell you what comes to mind. Uh, I don't know if it's a quote. It's, you know, 
I should I probably shouldn't answer it by quoting myself. <laughs> okay, you quote yourself. <laughs> but what comes to mind is be useful. And that's kind of what I see. That's my own mantra. Kind of my it's kind of like my mission statement. That's kind of what drives me. Um so you know that's that's how that's true. That's how I try to live. Mm. I want to be useful. I feel that I'm I'm here to be of service to others. Okay, I was going to say, uh, what does useful mean? But I'm hearing service, contribution, yeah. that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Service, contribution. Like you know, I'm not here. I don't believe to just consume the pleasures of life. Uh, I think I'm here to make a difference in in your life in some way. To make a contribution, to be of service, to be useful. And that takes many different forms, you know, in many different ways. Some of them are, are, are big in terms of like the way I see my, my career and the contribution I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very small at prayer services the other day. You know, somebody dropped change on the floor. Right. And I wanted to be the first one there to, to pick it up. Yeah. yeah. He was an older man. And... Uh, I didn't want him to have to bend down. I was scared he might fall over. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, this, you know, the usefulness that I'm talking about occurs between the four walls of my home, mm. you know, in a very private way with my wife and my children. Right, right. That's great. Um, sometimes we we think things have to be so big and grand, and sometimes it's just those little things, right? Picking up a piece of litter. Helping someone hold the door open for someone behind you—it's all of that little stuff that uh, that just sends the right kind of energy out there, you know. I understand. Well, so here's a quote for you. Uh, you just reminded me of it. Ah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure where it's from. I apologize. I can't quote the source. This one I did not make up. But uh, character does not discriminate. Hmm. And you made me think of it because, you know, you were talking about, you know, the little ways as, as well as the big ways. And, and I think that it's important to, you know, a, a person is who they are. I mean, the, the, the character does not discriminate. Like the real you shows up everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't be a person in service outside your home, home and a recluse inside your home or neglectful inside your home. I mean, a a real human being that has integrity, I don't mean integrity like not lying. Integrity means they're integrated. You know, they're, they're, they're integrated in all aspects of their life. It's the same qualities and character traits that are showing up throughout their life, whether it's in a small private way in their home or in a big public way outside their home. It's the same, you know, character just not, Discriminate. Another quote yeah. that's related is who you are. No, sorry. Um, character is who you are when no one's watching. Yeah, I love that one. It's so true. And I love the one too that says, uh, how you do the little things is how you do the big things. You know, it's it's like just those Similar. little. Similar point, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just the, the little small things when no one's watching. It's, it's yeah, just. I think you can tell right away when someone's not in alignment, right? You can sense something right. that feels off about that person's not right there. And you can kind of sense that. So, And it's a very humbling idea. Right. Because if we really 
are introspective, most of us are somewhat inconsistent. Absolutely. It's because it's called being human, right? It's not about yeah. perfection and we're going right. to be perfect all the time. We might step over that piece of litter, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's just, yeah, being, you know, being aware and yeah. uh, in integrity as much as you can. Sure. But those inconsistencies can be really helpful, very insightful because it's a sign to me. It indicates to me that I have to more deeply integrate certain values and certain behaviors. Yeah. Um, if I, if, if that's, if, if, I, if I really want to be a certain way, but I find I'm inconsistent with that in certain areas of my life. So that's a sign that I need to more deeply integrate that behavior and that value into the core of my being so that it comes out 100% of the time. Right. And for me, sometimes it's just self-care because I know if I'm tired or hungry or, you know, my fuse might be a little shorter, I might not react the way I, I, I normally feel I react, you know. So it's also right. being aware of those times, too, and granting yourself a little grace, being like, okay, boy, who kind of went off the rails there for a second, but <laughs> reining it back in, you know. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, well, you might have said this, but if you could leave the world with one message, like one golden nugget, what would that be? Be useful. Yeah. We, we all, sorry if it's repetitive. No, it's great. It's great. Let me, let me, let me answer the question a little bit differently. I put it in the context of, of you, not, not you, you know, everybody's listening. Mm -hmm. I was speaking about really my own mantra, you know, my own code of what I live by when I was talking about being useful. Mm -hmm. I believe that everybody was, everybody is put here for the same purpose. And that is to be useful, but in a but we all have the opportunity to do that in a different way. Right. You know, all the businesses out there want us to believe that the purpose and meaning of your life is the consumption of all the pleasures they're offering. That's not it. Yeah. You know, that's very empty. Yeah. And the reason why it's such a good business model is because it's so empty. In other words, you have to keep consuming those things <laughs> over and over and over and over again <laughs> right. because it leaves the sense of emptiness. But when you redirect your life and stop consuming for your own pleasure and start giving and serving and contributing and finding ways to be useful in other people's lives, there's a level of deep fulfillment and satisfaction that allows you to sleep very peacefully at night. It, it results in you jumping up at a bit earlier, early in the morning because you can't wait to, you know, make a difference again. Right. And we're all, we're all able and created to serve in some way. So find why you're needed. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. I love that. And so, and when you and when we do, that's where we find real meaning, real purpose, real fulfillment. Right. Right. And the rest of it's all the rest of it is all a distraction. Yeah. Boy, do we get distracted, Boy, do we? Get distracted. <laughs> well, you know, in a world that tells us we're not enough unless we, you know, use this wrinkle cream or have this yeah. car or, you know, so it's at us 24-7. You know, we're bombarded with those messages that, oh, if you just get this, you'll be happy. No, it has to come from within first, you know. Well, the amount of time and energy and money spent yeah. on entertainment yeah. and uh, clothes and makeup and and surgery and, yeah. and cars and burn it's just it's on and on and on a person could it could consume one's life i know and at the end of the day you have what i know you, you've done what exactly 
you know, you've succeeded to put together a bunch of days where you, you know, had candy, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. To me, that's pointless. Right. That's very empty. Yeah, it really is. It, it's, and I think that emptiness is evident with, you know, the levels of anxiety and depression and suicide are just off the charts these days. Off the charts. I know. And you think we live in such an amazing time with so much opportunity and, but I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's backfiring on us big time. And especially in not only marital relationships, every relationship, parent relationships, marital relationships, friendships, coworkers, you know, it's, yeah, we see it in a lot of areas and suicide rates uh, across all demographics is up, but especially between with the 10 year old to 14 year old age groups, like what, you know, it's so, yeah. um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. Well, how do we stay connected and find you? Yeah. So, um, my website is morkfortel.com yeah. and, uh, you can go to morkfortel.com forward slash rise up the special landing page for your listeners. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. They can get there a free report I have for them called Seven Secrets for Fixing Your Marriage. It's some great content and it's totally free. Workfortel.com forward slash rise up. Perfect. And of course, from my website, you can also access all of my social media channels. Um, and I'm on all the usual ones, but I admit it's my staff. Yeah, <laughs> your staff, and that's okay. You, you need to be there. It's part yeah. of it. It's okay. That's what right? they t- that's what they tell me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like well, you need to be there, but you know, you just keep doing your work out in the world and they'll take care of that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, one last question we always love to ask our guests is, you know, we're called Rise Up for You. So when you hear that phrase Rise Up for You, what does it mean to you? I don't know what that means. <laughs> you, be useful. <laughs> Rise up to you. Or rise up for you. Rise up rise for you. Up for you. It sounds like you've already kind of covered it a little bit in what you talked about with your quotes and be useful and be of service because that's, uh, um, okay. that's, yeah, it sounds like you kind of already, uh, already covered okay, that good. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, getting to hear a little bit about your work and, and, um, you know, all your philosophy and you're doing such important work out there. And I know that the people that, you know, have worked with you have gotten some great results and, uh, and hopefully, you know, you'll keep doing what you're doing because it is of service. It's beautiful work. Thank you so much. Well, I enjoyed being here and I appreciate you having me as a guest. I hope everybody benefited from the conversation. Absolutely. I'm sure our listeners have. So again, um, mortfortel.com uh, forward slash rise up, right? They can get their their free gift there and then learn all about Mort and his work and his marriage fitness program. So uh, we encourage you to go over there and uh, check this wonderful man out because he has a heart of gold and his service, he has some big, uh, big, big, big service going on. So thank you again so much and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, 
rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.